it's willpower, boys and girls. Marshall. What are you doing? You is this a Zoom? Are we doing a Zoom thing or just call I don't want to see your monkey ass. Hell no. And you oh, don't, I know you don't want to see mine. So now it's just a phone call. <laughs> it sounds like you're in a bathtub. Are you? Really? That would be a very willpower thing, wouldn't it? You kind of laid out in the bath doing yeah. interviews. I'm in the, in the bubble bath. You total. Bubble bath power. Coming to a racetrack yeah. near you. <laughs> so i had a banana for breakfast what did you have uh, i just ate two sausages and um a little bit of spinach and rice and i got a protein shake what kind of sausages are you a meatless guy chicken chicken no chicken chicken apple or just straight chicken actually no there is some apple in it um, yeah. i don't think those were the i normally do but Chicken sausage, organic chicken sausage. I eat a lot of meat, man. Well, being the hearty carnivore of racetracks and victories that you are, I would expect nothing less. So do you have some other idiot waiting to interview you once we're done? Because I don't want to back you up too much if you got uh, lots more calls to do. No, no, no. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's say thanks to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com for taking great care of us with the podcast. And let's get rolling, my man. So we got great questions for you, as always. You know this. Whenever you visit us on the show, you never get like, so, Will, tell us about the pass you made on lap 14 or whatever. It's all over the place. But I think you enjoy that stuff. So I'm going to ask you about uh, if you've, seen any of the new showtime documentaries on ufos and that kind of stuff that uh we normally talk about a little bit later oh nice is there some good documentaries on yeah showtime? there's a new there's a new series on showtime about ufos and i'm watching it and i'm thinking i bet you right now will power is watching this as well but we'll get well, you i want to see i want to see a documentary on the south africa incident like years ago and they interviewed those guys like 30 years later well, we're gonna Kids. get it. we're gonna get into yeah, that anyway. for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We're because look, you and I have been talking about racing for I don't know ten, twelve, however many years. It's the other stuff that I find interesting. But nonetheless, we're gonna start off the show with our man John Hollinger. And I don't know if you knew this anniversary was here, Will. John says, "Will, congratulations on earning your fortieth career win, your fifth win on the Indy Road Course, and your sixth win overall at IMS. How special was it?" to reach those milestones on the 10th anniversary of one of the great moments of your career, the double bird at New Hampshire. Did you know that August 14th, 2011 is the anniversary of probably the greatest meme of all time in IndyCar. <laughs> Give us your thoughts <laughs> on this 10th away. anniversary. That's why you oh. won, right? It was purely to celebrate loud and you can reveal this here. It was, I was actually, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I could have, done that up on the podium you know like <laughs> just to celebrate that but um yeah no it was certainly a certainly a relief and a good day um you know considering the week before <laughs> i don't i have no idea what you're talking about uh, yeah <laughs> what do you what could you possibly be referencing uh, kidding aside man obviously the 
the Loudon event will live forever. And thank goodness to you to have the, the very authentic response of like, I'm not leaving here without letting you know how I feel. And then you turn that around on this 10th anniversary and have the most willpower rebound race. And I'm not blowing smoke. You know, I've written about this a lot, whatever. When you are locked in, it's game over. Like everyone else, just pull in. (laughs) You'll get your trophy for second place and third place. Power is on a different plane. Don't even mess with it. Tell me about that a little bit, brother, because I love those days where you just claim full ownership of the race and there's no real chance anyone's going to take it from you. Were you feeling that? Were you in that headspace? Uh, yeah, actually, once once the race got rolling um, and the weekend, honestly, I I uh, had struggled a little bit this year. It's the first time I'm actually really in my career. Well, I wouldn't say first time. I've had a few instances where we struggled just to get the car where I need it. And, um, you know, we just really, really nailed it um, and kind of got on a good track, which I'm hoping will be for the rest of the season. And, um, yeah, I just was, yeah, certainly on the ball and was definitely more focused that weekend. I felt like my focus had not been where it needed to be either. And uh, put myself, yeah, and then obviously once the race started, I was on blacks and Pato was on reds. And once I started holding that gap for quite a while, I was like, all right, we've got a really good chance today. Um, and, 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 yeah, once, once I went to reds, it was game over and he was on blacks uh yeah so yeah very good focused day like yeah it's, it's, you're exactly right once like when i get in that zone it's such a good place that i'm in i'm such such a good place you know i just I drive, drive in such a good area when that's going on for me and uh that was one of those days did you spot will on the pre-race tire declaration list and for IndyCar fans who don't know, I don't remember the exact time period before the race starts, but IndyCar will send out a document to all teams and the media as well saying, hey, this is what every driver or every team in the field has chosen for their cars to start on, whether it's primaries or alternates on the road and street courses. And Pato and Graham Rahal were really the only, or Christian Lingard as well, but there yeah. weren't that many who chose to start on the alternates. You, Groschon, Herta, Rossi, Harvey, Newgart, a lot of folks uh, ended up starting mm. on primaries. And if you look at the finishing result, the top four all started on primaries, then switched uh, to reds. Pato was really the only among the only front runners to start on reds. Did you see yeah. that before the race and go, hmm, that might play yeah. out interesting? We, yeah, we, when you got 30 minutes after warm up to submit your, your tire um, selection, what tire you'll start on. So, yeah, we started talking on, and I initially said, oh, we've got to start on reds. And then, well, actually, no. And then I'm like, well, you know what? The last VK won the race because he started on blacks. And, um, I think the race before that, that was the case as well. So mm. it was like, I reckon that most the top 10 will be on blacks. I think most of the field will be on blacks. And and we were right. We were dead on. We were like almost guessed it. 
because you know you just could guess what people they'd all be thinking the same thing we were thinking it's like you know you got to start on blacks you got to get them out of the way because so you're going to get eaten up um in the second stint make the first stint short and then yeah play that game but um it's tough if you're patter like you you just it's so hard to go blacks because if second and third are on reds you're going to get eaten up at the start you're going to lose that track position I mean, it's it's just a tough call. You can almost guarantee next time everyone will be blacks. They just yeah. see that there's just no way you're going to win if you start on reds. But then you go switch it up again and go, okay, well, I'm going reds. Because <laughs> he built a big position. lead, right? He, I mean, he opened well, up a big yeah. lead to start. But yes. again, once once that first pit stop sequence yeah. happened, man, things uh, things switched around pretty quickly. Yeah, and and you you could build a big enough lead where you if, if Pato built built a big enough lead like I think anyone else I think we were particularly good on blacks and I think anyone else he may have built enough lead to get in a rhythm that's how I got him he didn't get he, he wasn't able to get in a rhythm on the blacks and I was able to use the first three laps of reds which are which is where they're at the absolute peak when he's out on cold tires so it was you know an easy easy pass for me um but it wouldn't have been if it was like five or ten laps down the road you know i would have caught him and it may have been quite a bit tough i don't know how good he was on blacks maybe i think he lost a few positions but that that yeah but you can it's it i could see that yeah next time we race there most people start on blacks like even the pole sitter no doubt why don't we go to where should we go Richard Hinshaw, who sent me a photo of the two of you after the race, said, Will, thanks for taking a brief moment to chat with me at your victory celebration meal. says, you were so gracious, and it was one of the highlights of my year. says, talk to us about your constant ability to bounce back from adversity, which is a hallmark of any highly successful uh, elite driver like you. says, after watching your hilarious self-deprecating pace car lap with Joseph, I had a uh, feeling we might see yet another amazing drive from you on Sunday. So is that an art will of going from a bit of a poop show at Nashville to uh, a total 180 degree turn? Does that just happen, you know, organically or do you try and put some things in your mind on how you're going to turn the narrative around? Yeah. I don't think you're thinking, I get, I, yeah, you know, in your mind, I'm going to turn this around. You just go back and focus hard. Like, and do what you need to do to make sure you're good at that race. And, um, yeah, that's basically what I did. It's, it wasn't out of, oh, I probably is a little bit of that in there. Like, you know, I'm sick of this year I'm having watched what I'm going to do. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, that doesn't always happen. And if I look at Nashville, I, I kind of wonder which driver didn't have a bad race, mm. <laughs> including Marcus Ericsson. <laughs> he went up over, took out Bourdais and went on to win. But, um, yeah, I think many people had a good race with <laughs> a lot of incidents and um, big moves. And, yeah, it just looked bad for me because I was involved in two of them. How funny. Yeah. <laughs> So Grant Stouter asks a question, picking up on the uh, back markers and or drivers trying to lap and whatnot, and he brings in a little bit of sports car stuff. He says, Will, you're going to lobby Roger to add bright lights to the front wings of your IndyCar 
so you can irritate tail-enders uh, by flashing the lights at them like they do in sports car races. Uh, he said, were you, you looking for steam coming out of the top of your aero screen? Um, or they were looking for steam coming out of the top of your aero screen while you were trying to get by uh, some folks who were not too slow to get easily passed, but not too yes. fast to get out of your way. You've already yeah. said a lot about this. I know you, you know you're fairly passionate about this. Was there any conversation with IndyCar officials afterwards that you felt added any progress to the subject, knowing you've raised it before? Or was this just you need an event and restate your feelings and make sure IndyCar knows you got some thoughts about how they might do things differently? Yeah, well, we've talked about it even in this past offseason. I have spoken with IndyCar about it, well, in the driver meetings. You know, we all talk, we all say, and no one, for you know, from what I see, no one likes it, including the guy that is trying to keep you behind him. Like, they don't like that situation that they have to play a part in the actual, you know, race, the, the, the leader of the race, you know, when they're having a bad day. And as you know, in this series, you know, you can be P, you can be leading one, one week and then you can be 20th the next. So you're going to get a taste of that will come back to you. But, uh, you know, I actually called Hinchcliffe and just said, let's, you know, I said, we should, we should talk about how we can help this issue. Because it's not, you know, it's not your fault. It's, you, you know, the team's telling you to stay on the lead lap and you're trying to stay on the lead lap. But my suggestion was that we should, we should give everyone who's a lap down their lap back when it goes yellow. And that fixes the problem right there. You may not even have to uh, have a blue flag. It'd just be almost a gentleman's agreement that, yep, you're not gonna you're not gonna screw with the race. You're gonna let if someone gets to you within a second of you, you're gonna let him go within a lap. Um, and you know, or you can have the blue flag as well. But simply, no one's gonna fight you or anywhere near as hard if they know they're getting their lap back if it goes yellow. And I think it's a simple solution, and it's 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 easy, it's easy fixed. Because it's 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 too competitive. The series is way too competitive now, um, and we don't need any manipulation of races because there's just so much action that's going on throughout the whole field. Uh, you know, we don't need someone who's having a bad day playing a part in someone who's having a good day because the good days that you have in IndyCar are very uh, very few because it's so competitive. And, and, you know, there's no one dominating the series. Um, so when you get a chance to win, the last thing you want is someone who's having their bad day playing a part in you, you know, in, in, in ruining a, a good day for you. So, um, yeah, it's IndyCar's aware of it. Jay Fry is aware of it. And it's something on his list for the offseason to see potentially what could be done if there is a way. Um, yeah, I just had, go ahead. Sorry. There is a way, but yeah, I just had a vision of you 10 years from now in race control with Max Pappas and Ari Leyendijk arguing up a storm over this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. There's not many people who disagree with it. Like you won't get like what back mark is not going to say, or anyone's having a bad day say, yeah, I don't want my lap back if it goes yellow. I mean, who? Who would not want that? And then who would not want it if they're leading? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 
there's really no argument against it. There's just no argument against it. It's like, I can't see a negative. So that's why I would be shocked if they didn't implement something like that. I love, uh, I love it. Uh, either that or the driver who's leading gets within two seconds of uh, someone about to go a lap down and you've got some little switch you can trigger that just shuts their motor off for a couple moments. You know, uh, well, let you have fun. There is, there is, there is something is, is if the switches are pushed to pass off, that would be another option. That's that would a, be another option. If they're coming around and cause that's, that's a tough thing because they once someone who is, you know, fighting stand lead lap actually starts using push to pass against you. I mean, it's just, very frustrating like very as you know no one you can't win many races in a year in this series anymore it's so hard to win so just absolutely infuriates you when someone who's going to lap down starts using push to pass against you and happened to Grosjean at the previous race same deal Duke was getting screwed with by back markers well, that's actually our next question from our pal Jamie Rowe. He says, obviously, congrats on the win. He was there. You're the dominant car. And he said, heard you on the radio, you know, talking about Hinch not being able to get past him. Said he also seems to recall you might not have been using a ton of push to pass to try and get by. Is that accurate? And uh, is that something I know we'd love to switch off push to pass for those about to be lapped, but. Was that something where you didn't want to use up that resource in case you needed it later? It was, it was, I got to him and thought I've got one shot at this before my tires degrade because of all the dirty air. Yeah. Yeah. And I used push to pass multiple times, one lap and got right to his gearbox out of 13, then used it and he used it. And with the dirty air and, and tired peg, you couldn't be wide open right behind someone out of that last corner. And it was all over. It's just like, I'm just going to burn up, push to pass and tires trying to get this guy and I'm not going to get him. So all I can do is back off a little bit to save the tires and save my push to pass. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing. And I kept trying. I'd back off, get the tires to cool a little bit then go hard at him again. It just wasn't happening. He was just fast enough not to get by him, just fast enough. And that fast enough was like three quarters to a second off my pace that I was running by myself. Wow. Um, so it, it's, it, you know, fans go, well, why didn't you pass him? It's like, I tried my absolute best. Believe me, I wanted to get past him, but it, you just couldn't. You just couldn't. Fortunately, you know, I, I was like, well, if I can't get past him and Herder gets to me, the only thing I was worried about was the pit stop sequence because – Herder's not going to get past me with with even two cars of dirty air, so he's going to have to sit there as well. And just the whole, you know, if Herder was a bit faster or it was Grosjean who had a better car than Herder that day, it would have been a whole train stuck behind a lap car. It would have been a whole train. No one would have been passing anyone um, unless they had a different compound of time. I mean, that was it. And it was just my worry is I built enough of a buffer to be able to get that pit stop done without worry, you know, without mistake and, um, <clears throat> you know, being jumped in the pit stop. So yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was a thing, time, man. It was a real thing. It's, it's, it's a problem and it has been, it's a 30 year old rule. That's it's, it doesn't really apply these days because 
you know, the field's so competitive. There's no one dominating. There's no manipulation of races you need to create good racing. I mean, we've got all that. You got you got nine different winners in what twelve, thirteen races? Yeah, it, it's fairly insane. <laughs> twelve races. I mean, you can't can't do much better than that. Let's switch to the weekend itself. Will we had this pretty cool Cup IndyCar Xfinity Road Course event? Obviously, I think Roger had thirty-seven drivers entered in the event altogether. Um, what are your general thoughts on this? Should we call it a crossover, a, a mashup? I don't know what we call it, but this I thought was pretty darn cool. Curious what you thought about this coming together with NASCAR for a, a big event like this. You think we should do more and not just limited to IMS, but, you know, hey, why don't you guys come to one of our races? We'll go to one of your, like, do you think there, there's something here that we should build on just straight up for racing fans in general? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I think it was really cool to, you know, it just felt like it was meant to be, honestly. Like, you know, you just had the major mo- motorsport teams and names, it, it, you know, in the industry all there, all together. And, um, yeah, I think it was, it was cool. It was cool. It would be, I think that that could be something they did like at Charlotte Roval or something like that if, nascar was interested but um yeah yeah it's it was yeah i thought it was a a good concept good concept interesting concept question here from alan bandy possibly the most important question of the episode will says knowing that there was nascar there in indycar were there any plans made this past weekend to move forward with a fight scheduling with kyle bush I mean, did you and your representatives get together? Did you guys stare each other down? Do you try and poke at him through a fence? Like, you know, tell us what really happened here. When's the pay-per-view, Power? Where do we buy it? Pay-per-view, yeah. I, uh, and yeah, it was, I didn't mean to think about Carl Bush. I was thinking about names. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we did, like, like with all this boxing that's going on with two, you know, different things, it would be, it would certainly be something I would consider doing. Like, there's no question in my mind that if they said, yep, a year from now you're fighting this guy out of NASCAR, I'm like, yep, okay, good, great goal, you train, and I think it'd be a cool thing. I really do. I think it would be watched. You'd have to say, like, it would get every motorsport fan in the world would tune in to see what happened. <laughs> Don't you think? Totally. So we're going to stay here for a minute. Cause again, this is the kind of stuff you and I talk and to our dear listeners. This is the kind of stuff. Will and I talk about usually just between ourselves. It's never serious. So yeah. first of all, after you mentioned this in that press conference a month or two ago, did you think, you know, Bush is probably going to read about this and have a fair, a very serious what the hell? Like, I don't no, know. Like, no, it am wasn't, I? It wasn't did, did I do something to him? Something again. Carl Bush, I actually totally identify with. Like, he's just a he's a guy who is just a hundred percent about winning. That's all that he cares, and he shows that in his emotion, which I identify with big time. And you know, I love him for it. I just love the fact that he has. There's nothing else in his life that matters more than winning. I just love and the thought of him why, waking up blindsided going, Will Power wants to fight me? What the 
Yeah, no, the media ran with that. Typical media ran. Well, you said it. It's the best quote. I wrote about it because it was the funniest damn thing I've heard in a long time. So yeah, I wasn't serious about. I want to fight that guy. I even said Kevin Harvick, but I thought he'd be he'd be a tougher guy. Yeah, he would. So if this were to happen, whether it's Bush, whether it's whomever, do you is boxing and such? something you incorporate into your current training would, if not, would you go and find a trainer? I have been wanting to do boxing or some form of martial arts, uh, into my training. Um, because I really, really like, I love, I watch a lot of it. I like it. I like it a lot. It's, uh, you know, quite a technical sport. Um, and just, yeah, an amazing sport really because the consequences, uh, uh, yeah, I would totally, I just, I so want to, do a, have a boxing match i really do i want to ex- just experience that in my life i want to try it i want to i want to train and you know get get to a good level and then be able to fight someone who's on my level so uh, whenever which, we get asked who's the best fighter in indycar miller myself always point to you are there any others in the indycar paddock right we've mentioned nascar are there any in the indycar paddock where you're like I think that person could fight or box or something. Like if if this was IndyCar versus IndyCar, is there anybody yeah. in the paddock you're like? I think that person might be able to handle themselves in the ring. I yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anyone. Like I haven't. I don't know. I don't know. Like because when I spoke to Oriel Servi, he goes, "I've never punched someone in the head," really? which amazed me. How do you get really, that far in life? How do you get? How do you become forty-five years old of never having never punched someone or been punched in the head? Oh, I think that's most hepatic, man. I think that's most hepatic, which blows my mind from where I came from because the amount of times I've been punched in the head and have punched people in the head is I can't count. I mean, it's been a long time for me, but I grew up same way. I was getting in fights all the time, and I lost a lot of them, but it never deterred me, and that's part of why I'm yeah, not that smart. That's so funny. I like, you know, you don't, yeah, it just doesn't, it's almost a pride thing. Like where I came from, you can't back down from a fight. It kind of sucks. You're nervous as hell, but you had to do it. (laughs) Even if you got your ass kicked. Uh, Oh man. Well, we just, we got to develop this further power fights coming to uh, Peacock. Yes. We already found a place. I would do it, man. I'd like it. I'd love it. All right. I'd love to train for it. We're going to make it. I would love to train for that. I can't wait to get the call from Cindric or Penske after this going through it. You're banned forever. Uh, Let's see. Where should we go next? Um, Stephen Killsdonk, as we ramp down just a little bit to get towards the close of the show. Stephen Killsdonk says, Will, uh, during the past May, I heard lots of rumblings about the current front wing and speedway trim. Says, uh, my recollection is that you prefer lower downforce on ovals. Then I pull up the Indy 500 lap charts and see that Will and Simon uh, ran towards the back in the early laps, unable to make moves forward. Uh, he's curious, does the oval aero package on the speedways need changing? And if so, any suggestions on how it might be improved? Well, actually, I really like the fact that they added downforce for the speedway this year. It made the racing better. It made it more possible to get to the field. And... Um, I think they could improve that front wing because it, it moves so much. And, and the biggest thing they did was they added those barge boards and they added to uh, the floor. Yeah. To the floor. Um, they added strakes. 
yeah, any floor down, floor south is just a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm for downforce to create good racing. Like I really am. I mean, I was, I was not opposed at all when they said that had downforce for the speedway. Like I was happy, and um, uh, just, just for the fact that it, can, it, it makes it possible to pass, and it makes the the race at the end always epic, as you saw it once again. It was between Castro Nevers and Palou. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not opposed to downforce. I'm not. Not at all. Um, yeah, I used to be when we raced, like, in absolute packs where even, you you know, your grandma, granddad could get in the car and be competitive. I was not for that. When you, when I, when it was, when I, what I didn't like was when we would, turn up to a race weekend as a new track for me you drive out of the pits and you just drive out you just wide open on the white line wide, just out. wide open it's like oh how's the car it's like i don't know it's like driving down a highway it's kind of yeah and that's it just became just ridiculous honestly it was more more about big balls and you know uh, uh skill is it crazy to think well this just came to mind i don't want to take things down but is it crazy to think we're coming up here in the 10-year anniversary of losing Dan? You're mentioning pack races and folks being stuck yeah. together. Um, 10 years. Where did the time go, Yeah, again? it's pretty crazy, man. It's, uh, yeah, time goes fast. I can't believe that, you know, I've been in this game for 15 years over here. Blows my mind. Let's go to uh, back a little bit of back home. Craig Johnson says, Will, what are the chances you can convince the powers that be to let you and Scotty Mack team up and run the Bathurst 1000 together? And how much do you think that bribe might cost? Well, we've been trying. We've actually talked about it, and it's never come together. And COVID just makes it basically impossible now. It's impossible as lockdown as Australia is. It just makes it impossible. But that I've even asked Scott, because <laughs> I have no experience in V8, he's like, well, you should probably do it with this guy. I'm going to do it with someone who can win. <laughs> uh, I love McLaughlin. That guy's not, the best. Not in that. Not in so many words. Yeah, but you got, the, could, you got the point. I got the gifts, man. All right, wanker. I, said, uh, I told him I've done the race before. <laughs> but anyway, at first he was good. He was like, yeah, we could do it. We could do it. Then and he I, thought and about I was, it. And I was the one that was like, man, I don't think I'll be fast. I mean, I haven't. I said, I, I just haven't done much in those cars. But he said, no, nah, you'll be right. I'll get up front. And then all you got to do is just, you know, hold a reasonable lap time. And um, I think I think he was thinking, like, like honestly, for him to go and truly win it, he needs to team up with, like, you know, Van Gisberg yeah, and yeah, yeah. one of these guys at Triple Eight or, you know, one of the top teams. And, yeah, that would be pretty big for him. He's got a reputation to maintain. No, exactly. Yeah. No, he doesn't need some guy learning the ropes and then him kind of <laughs> trying to do his best. Yeah. But I would love to go over and do it either, even if it was with Scott, maybe not, or, you know, with someone just because it's a race that I grew up watching. And, um, it's you and Newgarden. You and Newgarden would be yeah, fun. He'd be terrible. That'd be fun. That actually would be a great fun. I would actually really enjoy that if I went over and do it with Joseph. But he's, yeah, he really has no miles in those cars. It would actually be a pretty tall order, as you saw with uh, Rossi and Hinch, to 
to um, be able to put that together. It's just such a hard track, man, in those cars. Such a hard track, such different machines. But, yeah, I would do that. That would be uh, – That'd just be a fun weekend, even if we didn't do well. <laughs> It'd just be awesome. No doubt. A couple questions here, Will, about you being you, Chris Peterson, and uh, Windy Car sending a couple items. Uh, mentioned one of the things that people like about you is you show emotion. You seem real to fans. Says others, uh, we see a lot of kind of stoicism and whatnot, feeling inauthentic. Says what makes you comfortable expressing your emotions publicly? Do you ever second guess yourself? Wish you just stayed quiet. All kind of framed around, you know, the Penske driver reputation over the years is folks who say less instead of more. And you've always mm. been more, brother. Well, I, um, I, I, I sometimes I'm just, it's better just to walk away and say nothing. But I can't, I, I have to say anyone, like in, let's just say Detroit, for instance, anyone who sat there, and was, oh, no, it's fine. You know, to me, to give up a race when as hard as I fought and, you know, as tough a year as it was, especially coming from India, and just how hard it is to win a race, to put myself in the position and just work my ass off um, to keep Ericsson behind because he was so fast. And just like I remember saying myself when I'm just dying in the heat and, and, and uh, uh, work, you know, just absolutely exhausted. I was like, I'm not giving up. I am just putting 100% with it. I'm going to win this race. And for that car not to start and get out. And if you were calm when you got out, it would just say to me that you just don't care. You could care less if you win. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you it, – it's – and I don't care that I show my emotions. Like, I'm comfortable with myself. Like, I'd say you're not human if you 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 you're uh, you're not showing your emotion, and, and if you're totally calm in the situation, you're probably going home and kicking your dog and <laughs> being a you know you've taken it out on something else. Like I'm just in the moment and letting people know how I feel. Like I'm just human, man. You don't live on this earth long enough to just. I just it's it's yeah. Everyone's different, but. Yeah, what's it? There's nothing wrong with showing how you feel. I mean, it's not even a mental like some people you got, you got to hold your cards close to your chest. So you know, it doesn't affect me in the car. It doesn't. It doesn't affect me like you know. Dario was the master of hiding his emotions, but it doesn't really like for your competition to know that you're like that. They would actually fear to screw with you on the track because they know they may get a punch in the head. Uh, when they get out because I won't, you know, I'm not, not one just to be calm and all right with everything. I'll, I'll let them know in whichever way I feel at the time is right. Uh, I just think it's nothing wrong with it. I can't stand when a driver has a horrible day and gets out and just has a real diplomatic answer. Can't stand it. I, I just think it's boring and it's, it's, it's not real. Get out and tell the bloody world exactly how you feel because that's what they want to hear. The other thing is when you do do that, you get all this hate, like, oh, you're a whiner. Well, well you call me a computer if I don't. So if you want if you want me to if you want me to just be a computer, fine. You'll never hear anything different from any driver ever. There'll be nothing different. We'll all have exactly the same answer. That's all you'll ever hear is, well, the team did a great job and I've got to thank Verizon and, and Chevy and, and Firestone for the great ties. You know, it wasn't our day today, but we'll come back next week. 
like, oh my God. So, but if fans want that, fine. Oh, we'll just give them the computer answer every time. <laughs> just actually have a little recorder, a little, uh, little audio player. You could almost have a recording of the exact <laughs> thing you could say every time. Just Hold so, it up to the that, microphone. That's a great idea. That's what I'm going to do because of, because of hate that you get for expressing yourself. I'm going to have a recording and just next time just have a recording and just go, that's what you guys want. So here it is. Just a perfect answer and, and move on. Just say, yeah, we're computers now. That's what you guys ask for. Thanks to the social media giants. Thank you. But that could never happen, <laughs> Will Power, because you are the most incredible unicorn of this generation. And I'll just share this. Friend of mine, super veteran of the IndyCar paddock, works there right now. Had a conversation with him, I think, Sunday night after your win. And whatever your, you know, your answers in victory lane were, were great and perfect and whatnot. And a friend who, again, was racing against you called and was like, what is this thing with willpower? What, why, I didn't, you know, why was he so, I've never seen a real boisterous and, and you know, highly open and, and flourishing side of his personality. And I'm like, what? There is no more open funny silly crazy you're gonna go for a ride it's always a roller coaster but it's the best and if you follow him on social media you've gotten more you've gotten to know more and more about him over the years as he's just his dang self whether you like it or not and privately there's a reason that whether it's me or miller or so many others are always finding you at every race because we're gonna have the most incredible conversations rarely about motor racing we're gonna laugh our asses off and it's that authenticity that you bring more and more of that i don't care if people complain about it uh there are computers in the paddock let them be who those fans want don't ever change willpower don't ever retire it is going to be so damn boring whenever you retire so that's my little public service announcement uh let's see a uh, couple more here. Hey, it's Ryan Hunter Ray in the other line. I'll have to send him a little note that I'll call him back. Um, Josh Lale says, he's, "Will he's on my he's on my uh, level with the UFOs. Him and I converse about it all the time. No he's way. Text. He saw one. He actually saw a UFO. Uh, Will, Ryan Hunter Ray saw a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> mentioned like he texted me as soon as it happened. I called him straight away." He's like, dude, I was out there with my father-in-law and my son. Legit saw a UFO. Well, that's the ne- well. I'm going to move to that as the next question. Actually, from uh, Indy Nathan it says, "Will I've heard you're a UFO enthusiast. So, what is your best argument for intelligent life outside of this planet?" Ooh, well, uh, you know, I don't actually have a, have a a good argument, but you know, just. I'm just, let's just say I'm interested when I've watched stuff like Bob Lazar. Obviously, you've seen a lot of, um, of, of uh, uh, media talking about UFOs lately and, and actual footage of it from military um, uh, 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 aircraft. So it's, it's certainly more open now. People are talking about it. And I'm not 100% convinced myself. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really open. I'm like, is this 
our own military? Is it another military? Is it really a UFO? Is it holograms? Is it what? Like, I'm not like, oh, yeah, 100%, that's aliens. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just one of those people who are super open-minded and really interested. Like, who wouldn't be interested if there is such a thing that has amazing technology? Who wouldn't be interested? When you listen to Bob Lazar on Joe Rogan, just, you know, it's such a cool thing to be talking about. What's the, the South the Africa, technology. the South Africa thing you mentioned? I, I'm well, aware of that. South Africa was a bunch of kids at a school and a, you know, a, a UFO landed and a bean came out and um, uh, didn't talk to them, but m- probably through mental telepathy or whatever. And all those kids were questioned back then. And then 30 years later, I think it was like 20 or 30 years later, which is now, were questioned now and their stories haven't changed. They're still the same. Still say the same thing happened. That's 30 kids or something, it's 30 people. And that has happened in multiple there's been multiple instances of that, like, you know, UFOs landing, uh, you know, at schools. With, I shouldn't say multiple. I know there was an instance in Australia, the same thing happened, where multiple kids saw a UFO. But anyway. Are you an alien, Will? Were you the one that landed in Australia? You can tell us here. Yeah, no, it is. That's, yeah, that's why, I'm like I am, I'm just. <laughs> we figured it out. Will is not from Earth. We've known this, but I'm glad you finally confirmed it. Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. Yeah. One or two here, which are great. They're kind of the same. Jordan Darwin says, Will, have you ever wanted to punch a reporter? And why was it Marshall? And uh, Eric Harkrader says, what's the strangest or dumbest interview question you've been asked? Um, and is it the one he just asked? Or was it something Marshall came up with? So how would you and I do in a fight? I feel like that'd be fun. I think I'd be good at ducking and weaving. I mean, I could look my fat ass, you know, uh, you're going to be faster than me. I got some padding, so I could probably take a, a fair amount Body of punches. Shots. Yeah. Body shots. Yeah. You, you're going to beat me. Uh, you're going to beat me uh, for sure on the speed. But I feel like if I connected with you, brother, that might not be good. But It'd be all over. Yeah. But true. But reporters. Um, that's another subject you and I talk about privately sometimes about the various questions you get. I know the one that I asked you to close the, uh, who the hell are you episode of if you were sentenced to death and you had to choose between a cheeseburger and something else. Oh, that didn't make you happy. You were pissed off about that one. Uh, you had, uh, I forget her name, Sarah, Sarah from your PR team, uh, came up to me about a half or she sent me a text soon after you got back and she sent me a text uh, marshall can we can we meet outside and speak please and then men- she came down and her eyes were real big yes will um will said that you uh, you asked a question that was uh well i understand the two of you have a relationship and uh you know you're comfortable speaking to one another but apparently uh that question was not something will is very uh, comfortable with and i was wondering if uh, we could uh, possibly remove it no. Oh, actually, that sounds just like Sarah. It's so nuts how well you <laughs> No, she's awesome. And I'm not, you know, but she, yeah, she was all lit up. So, uh, anyways, but I'm sure I account for some of the dumbest things you've ever been asked. But do you just roll with the punches, or are you in the back of your mind when one of the idiots like me is asking you questions and you get a really dumb one? I have to believe in the back of your mind you're probably just like eviscerating that person. Uh, but trying to answer in a positive way. I'm actually, um, I'm actually pretty respectful of reporters way more than when I was younger. 
um, just because I know everyone has their everyone has their own sort of uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Not life, but everyone, 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 you know, they're doing a job. They're trying to do a job, and some people do it well, some people don't. But kind of respect where people are, and I, uh, yeah, try to answer every question to the best of my ability. Um, no matter what the question, I suppose. I mean, yeah, I can't say that I get any terrible questions anymore. I mean, I just at all really. I mean. You've just, hey, challenge accepted, pal. I'm going <laughs> to wait till I come up with some for you when I see you next. They're going to be the worst. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Okay. Let's, well, yeah. <laughs> let's get to, we got two to close the show, brother. One from our pal, Shauna Oakwood. She says, on Saturday, took the kids, uh, got to the Toronto Motorsports trailer to show all the amazing stickers to her seven-year-old who now loves the DJ Willie P nickname for his favorite driver, says uh, her son was stoked to see you again on Sunday. Obviously, our pals at Toronto Motorsports have uh, the DJ Willie P sticker, right? That one that's pretty awesome. Asks, in the DJ vein, if you had to make a mixtape for your 2021 IndyCar season, what would you put on that mixtape, DJ Willie P? DJ vein. You know, um... Uh, I've actually started look, started going back to R and B a little bit. Really, what started what era? R and B, kind of. No, I just actually went on um, Apple Music and just put on the channel. I was just listening. It's like, yeah, I miss R and B, man. I really do. Uh, it's the most recent stuff, and I just like some of the songs. But um, uh, bump and grind. Yeah, and I don't know any of the artists. I do not know any of the artists, but. Bump, yeah, oh, bump I, and grind like, might be part of your 2021 mixtape coming out of Nashville, at least. But, yeah, um, was, something else I started listening. What's it called? It was called um, uh, I forget the name. It was a weird genre, but really cool. Um, anyway, but yeah, I mean anything, anything. I even go back and watch Mariah Carey live when she was at her absolute best. And you go watch her live videos, like just the best vocalist i'd ever heard like the best it's just nuts if you know anyone who's full into singing and like really seeing a talent that was just next level um i even go back and i'll listen to that if i just feel so on a day mariah carey was not on my mental dj willie p playlist that impresses oh, man, me so gotta, much like her vocalist have she's just it's just amazing my wife you know my wife's loved her for uh forever forever so yeah <sighs> all right let's close with this and it's a perfect question to close the show we had a number of people asking by the way when your amazing wife liz uh will be getting a uh water bottle sponsor by the way um because yeah. she should be profiting off of that uh nathan derover a good family man himself says will I'd love to hear you speak about Liz. Says I've noticed that whenever you win, the moment the two of you lock eyes, it's like nothing else in the world exists. Says the absolute joy and love they share is a wonderful thing to see, and frankly, it's very inspiring. Now we've talked about a lot of crazy stuff and silly stuff, and had fun and boxing matches and UFOs, but let's close on that, brother. The two of you, it is clear if. Folks are tuning into their first IndyCar race. 
and you happen to win and they see the interaction between you and Liz, it's apparent that you two exist in a world of your own when you come together. Can you talk about that, man? Because I know how much she powers you in your life and career. Well, she, uh, I think we both share about the same amount of passion for winning. Um, but she understands the struggle and she is very much part of the struggle when you, you know, during the years um, of, uh, you know, she, she was there when I broke my back. She's been there when I've had concussions. She's, um, and she's a great mother, a great wife and a very, very, you know, empathetic, caring sort of person. And, um, uh, just lucky, lucky to have, uh, have met Liz and lucky to have a wife like that. Um, and yeah, she's, she's, you know, you can't really ever put into words, you know, relationships with people. Some, it's almost, uh, you know, you can't actually, you can't, yeah, you simply can't put into words at times your connection with certain people you just can't it's a it's just a connection that's hard to explain but yeah that's and i'm sure people know exactly what i'm talking about because everyone has that sort of person in their life whether it be their parents or their wife or kids same thing it's that feeling she's your girl yep william power i wish we could do this every week i mean granted ratings would probably go down but still probably um there are probably, few pe- yeah there are few I'm people gonna, i enjoy what? talking with more than you even though for those who tuned in hoping to hear nothing about racing um we're always going to leave you disappointed but uh hopefully for those who enjoy some call it alternate conversation that's uh that's an authentic thing uh we've been doing for a while so dj willie p congrats obviously for getting back uh getting back to where you need to be and as i put in my little uh post-race column that's coming out here shortly i would not be surprised at all if you knock out a couple more wins before the end of the season because when you get locked into that zone man it's hard to take you out of that place so hoping uh, more good stuff to come for you here before the end of the season yep thank you thanks for having me on always uh, always enjoy it love the randomness and uh yeah it's it's sort of interviews i like